The Athletic. Hello, I'm Adam Hurry, and what you're about to hear is pure cliches. A few minutes we think perfectly encapsulate the essence of our podcast. So whether you've been with us right from the very start, or you're a potential Johnny-come-lately, we hope you enjoy this pause for thought on a curious phrase for a team rooted to the bottom of the table, and a bit from one of my favourite cliches lineup episodes of all, the pure Europa League 11. Anyway, moving on, a, a lovely phrase fell upon my sight this week. Um, it's it's the sort of phrase, Nick, that really kind of I, I take for granted. And then the longer I stare at it, the more absurd it becomes. And that phrase was basement boys. <laughs> um, which, if you just analyse it in both isolation and if you strip it down to its individual parts, is it, it is just brilliantly stupid and weird. Um, but I, I, I spotted it in passing and I had to stop and marvel at it for a bit. And uh, it was, of course, in relation to um, to Sheffield United. I mean, do you think you've ever? Do you think you could ever say the words "basement boys" out loud? No, 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 never. No, mm. uh, I mean, uh, it, uh, only ever, only ever written down, and you know, uh, then at a push. It feels like one of those. It feels like there need to, needs to be a sort of minimum number of weeks or games that a team has been bottom of the of the table for them to be referred to as the basement boys. Sheffield United this season, you know, obviously qualify perfectly. Yeah. But, you know, if, if it's um, a team that has just got to the bottom and they're referred to as basement boys, then that's not that seems a bit much. I think it's too flippant. Good season for Premier League basement boys because Sheffield United, West Brom and Fulham have all taken up pretty much permanent residency mm. uh, in the basement this season. So... <laughs> So it's like an allegory for the London housing crisis that you yeah, had exactly. to cram all three into one basement for uh, 1500 quid a month. Um, but yeah, it's just, I feel like it's just too flippant a way to, um, to talk about a team who's bottom of the table. I like marooned, I like rooted, I like cast adrift and all that mm. sort of stuff. But basement boys, I'm not keen. And, and Nick, I looked into basement boys. I wanted to find out the history of it. When, who, do, who first used it? You know, what, what's its kind of trajectory throughout history through Google and that sort of stuff? But um, I, unfortunately, my search was completely corrupted by the fact that um, there was an American house music duo, production duo, called yeah. The Basement Boys. Of course. Whose hit single in 1988 was a reworking of Love Don't Live Here Anymore, which, as anyone who's listened to Magic FM in a taxi at 3 a.m. will know, it appears once every single night. And only once um lovely tune um didn't really pass into um the house music genre quite so well but yeah basement boys um they were a music duo but i don't think i don't think they were the inspiration for it or i was gonna say did they name themselves because they were huge fans of whatever team had been <laughs> sort of they read so lingering. many tabloid stories of teams struggling at the bottom of the english top flight and just yeah. thought, that's it this really works for us on, a, on the related note to sheffield united being bottom of the table um listener coach bill lofts writes in and says is Paul Heckingbottom the first Premier League manager whose name also describes the league position of his club <laughs> <laughs> I suppose again you'd have to play around the emphasis Paul Heckingbottom yeah unless you had someone with a surname like Middlemarch or something like that mm. <laughs> or top top loader would <laughs> top, top loader ever top, top of the charts I, I, I don't know maybe been. singles no but I would say albums yes mm. Mm, possibly mm. Um, I don't know maybe there was a yeah, I don't know, sort of a ill-fated brief Portsmouth spell for a Frenchman called Longuish or something like that <laughs> um, in the real dark days. But yeah, um, but no, I, I have to I have to confirm that I have consulted the full list of Premier League all-time managers and none of their surnames relate even even remotely to a league position. So Paul Heckingbottom is Coach Bill Lofts, the first Premier League manager whose name describes the league position of his club. Thank you for letting us know about that. 
Right, midfield. A huge task ahead of us. This is going to be the bulk of this podcast, I fear. Um, James, Michael AFC just simply says, 11 ever Benegas. <laughs> Ever Venega of the five midfielders I've written down so his name Europa. his name is first he's incredibly Europa I mean I couldn't yeah. tell you he's the king of the Europa I, I couldn't tell you how many of those Sevilla teams he was in but I suspect it was probably that was three. several sev- three was it yeah. I mean that's Forever definitely Benega. got a bit I mean I, he feels like one of those players who is just kind of bubbling under below elite level which is obviously incredibly Europa League I, I, I just you know he's one of those players you just you see play every now and then and he's not actually that great <laughs> he's obviously not rubbish yeah. but like you kind of feel if he went to the Premier League he'd be going to you know he'd be going to like West Ham or somewhere or, or, or maybe Everton when they're not in a not having a great time of it I, and I just, he had a kind of he had a kind of Europa League level kind of scandal didn't he Jack with some sort of webcam situation I believe oh god yeah yeah, yeah I've forgotten that's, that yeah that's very Europa <laughs> League behaviour isn't it, it? Is, so yeah, yeah if, he, if he, he, he even of, needed cementing there it is he had that kind of so he was the literally the first name on my team sheet for those three three wins for Sevilla, but he has a kind of like throwback energy as well. Like he's obviously not he's not as good as a Raquel, mate, but he has that kind of like old fashioned Argentine midfielder who is incredibly skillful and uh, very clever, but doesn't really run much and doesn't really you know has a kind of like Paul Scholes approach to tackling, which makes him a really great player to watch on TV and really fun to get behind but he's obviously uh, you know very very far removed from what we expect from midfield the kind of like superman uh, super soldier robot kevin mm. de bruyne type player yeah no i'm very happy that that's a shoe in for me so we've only got two slots left in our midfield but so many Europa League subgenres to cover here, James. First of all, well, no, specifically, uh, Ross Quinn says João Moutinho has to be in there. A top quality player, but half his appearances in European competition were in the second tier. I haven't checked this, obviously, but it sounds definitive. We can't have one or the other. We pretty much have to have him, don't we? Yeah, I definitely got Moutinho in my team. He was the second name in my midfield. I think he's just always been at that level, like he's a very good player. But the fact, the fact that he was one of the Monaco players who didn't get signed... He was the only man left in Monaco after they reached the semi-finals of the Champions League in 2017. Sporting Porto, Porto, Monaco Wolves is a great Europa CV. It's also quite an interesting story in itself about you know where the money for George Mendes players goes nowadays. He was also in that Porto team that won it in 2011, which I think is probably the only time that he has won this competition. And while you know Falcao and James Rodriguez and that team went off to go and be big stars, Moutinho didn't quite. And he's also just got that kind of Europa technical skill and awareness and intelligence married with not an awful else. And played yeah, for Wolves as well as kind of an elder yeah, statesman, a kind of yeah, I yeah. can guide you through move. this jungle kind he, of guy. He does play in that kind of quite relaxed sort of way that does feel very sort of Europa League, isn't it? He's kind of like, like not quite the, like, the intensity or the pressure of like a big Champions League night, but you know, to kind of spray a few passes around. I think yeah. Yeah, he, he's that sort of level. And as, as you say, the fact that he's been like the guy who's been left behind effectively twice, really, that probably says it all, doesn't it? Definitive. Yeah, I mean, it, that's very much the, the core of what we're talking about, isn't it here? Not being considered good enough until it's too late. I want to deal with some more specific names here, James. Stefan and Beer. QPR legend. Oh, well, yes. Well, um, I don't know if that's a feather in his cap or not. Uh, Yevhen Konoplyanka. 
Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's definitely he definitely has a big intention, doesn't he? And again, mm. you know, having talked about the players that were constantly linked with the Premier League, he he definitely ticks that box. I'm going to provisionally put him, but we 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 really do have a, other little furrows to plow. Well, um, one of the players I was going to mention was Marek Hamzik, who uh, maybe like I, I I can see Jack kind of shaking his head a little bit, like he thinks he's a Champions League player, but I think actually he played way more games in the Europa League than he did in the Champions League. I mean, obviously, he was at Napoli for sort of a decade or so. And he just has that kind of slight, uh, obviously, in terms of his image and the way he plays, a little bit of eccentricity. And that kind of feels incredibly Europa League to me. Okay. Yeah, I, I, just a little too CL for me, I would say. And also one relatively one club man that is in, in a European that is context, so in a European competition context, at least. Some more names to throw at you. Nathan Slingsby says, Atiba Hutchinson. Oh, yes, incredibly, incredibly Europa. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't know, need to know who he plays for. He didn't even know what country he represents. He's, he's Europa. Canada. Mm. He's a, he was like a big star at Besiktas when Bilic was manager. And he would, I actually would have seen... I think I would have seen him in my favourite Europa League man, memory as a journalist, which was when Tottenham lost 1-0 at the Ataturk Stadium, which Besiktas were playing in while the what's now called the Vodafone Arena was being built. And so Pochettino took a pretty shit team over there with like Kabul and all the players he didn't fancy anymore. And they lost 1-0 and because the Ataturk is kind of falling apart a bit, the, the floodlights kept going off. And so the Spurs players had to keep like going back into the dressing room while they found, you know, put some more coins in the meter to put the floodlights back on at the Ataturk. And I'm pretty sure Atiba Hutchinson... It was like a classic Europa League experience, and I'm mm. pretty sure Atiba Hutchinson was playing that day for Bushik class. Quite like the idea of that. Other ones... Charlie Jones says, the Europa League is the only competition that Ike Munayin has ever played in. <laughs> nice touch. Um, we're, we're, we're well stocked for our kind of um, scheming Iberian... Well, yeah, I was going to say, Miguel Veloso was the other one I was going to mention. Oh, well. yes. He feels incredibly yes. uh, Cup slash Europa League. Yeah. In a similar vein, Reese Jones says, Borja Valero. I feel like I've never seen Valero play in a Spain shirt, but he must live in who scored's Europa League team of the week forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. we're basically on the same theme here. Greaves Bell, 14, says, Johan Gufran. Is he the Newcastle one? Gokouf is the be- is the good one. Mm. Gokouf was the guy who played for Lyon and Milan and mm. Bordeaux. He's brilliant when Bordeaux won Ligue 1 in like yeah. 2008 or 9-ish. It's like a YouTube he sensation. Feel, he doesn't feel like a Europa League ago. player. He feels like a sort of a short, a short-lived Champions League player who then just completely went off radar, yeah. right? We also we can save him for our Eurosport Euro goals eleven. I think, as well. <laughs> yeah. James, I don't want either of these players in my team, but I do want the definitive take from you about who is more Europa: Eric Lamella or Nasser Chadli. Eric Lamella, one hundred percent. Okay, quite. Good. Uh, uh, um, he was the only Spurs player I was going to be willing to talk about. I mean, just mm. just for the rub, yeah, he's just an incredible nice. Europa League. Uh, he's just a Europa League icon. Okay. Um, final random shout from our listeners: Henry Worth says Mehmet Topal. Yes. Who I know less than zero about, and even, yet he still bleeds Europa League to me. Even less than Atiba Hutchison. I reckon he could have played against Manchester United in European competition like 50 times, yeah. which I suppose actually maybe means he's a Champions League player more than a Europa League player. Yeah, very possibly. Um, I think Fenerbahce um, stalwart. So we have two slots nailed down. Yevhen Knoplianka is clinging on by his fingernails for the third slot. But I offer you this 
situation. Eastern European based Brazilians with squad numbers between 80 and 99. <laughs> we have to have one. Yeah. We have to have one. Flash 1985 Jack says Tyson should represent the mandatory Brazilian that appears in Eastern European teams. That's a good start. Samuel Dustow says if it's not Alan from Braga we riot. That's a step up. I'm I'm more tempted by him. So how do you feel about how do you feel about Alan from Braga first of all? Isn't that now Alan Everton? No, it's different Alan. No, it's that a different Alan. Alan. Yeah. I remember being a Europa League game at City where I think Alan was playing for maybe for RB Salzburg or something and he was cheered onto the pitch and it was like everyone thought it was hilarious to have a player called Alan yeah I reckon Alan I need to figure out I need to figure out I need to tell one Alan from the other I'm getting I've confused. gone off Kanoplianka completely we no Kanoplianka's have... in the front three right yeah yeah exactly Kanoplianka would be more of a sort of attacking player the only way to really decide this because I mean Alan seems definitive James but perhaps not quite but Ross Tyson has taken us down the avenue perhaps we need to go down he says I'm sure this is breaking the rules but can you just include a generic first name which covers every <laughs> Brazilian who plays as an attacking midfielder and takes every set piece for an Eastern European team. How could we do that? How could we pick a name that kind of just fits? Well, I offer you, in front of me, I have the entire list of characters from board game Guess Who. <laughs> All I want you to do is give me a number between 1 and 24, please. 13. Herman. Herman. <laughs> That's perfect. That is perfect. I mean, I feel we're going to have to explain it whenever I visualise this team, but I like Herman. What? Herman or Alan? <laughs> What, it's what? Alan, isn't it? Let's keep Alan. Yeah, it's get, too get, much of a silly gimmick. Player. It was good fun to do it, but we're not going <laughs> to use it for the purposes of our team. So our midfield trio, Eva Benega, João Moutinho and Alan, the Braga one. Perfect, perfect. And it is perfect. I'm really happy with that. And I'm really happy we didn't go with the banter option either. So sorry to guess who, but uh, this is serious business. What a team so far. Let's recap. Helton in goal, a back four of Victor Moses, maybe. Razvan Rat, Luizal, Ezekiel Garay, a midfield trio of Eva Benega, João Martinho and Allen. If you enjoyed that little snippet of football cliches, make sure to check out our extensive back catalogue of almost 250 episodes of the most niche and obscure football content that still makes perfect sense. The Athletic.